Welcome to Women Blazers, the podcast that shares the stories of women in the sports industry who are either breaking barriers or on a journey to blaze trails. I'm your host, Deanna Witter, and I hope everyone is healthy and well in this current environment. I'm excited to be launching the first episode of this podcast with our first guest, Lisa Fagenbaum. Lisa is currently the Vice President of Group Premium Hospitality and Event Sales for the Sacramento Kings. And in this episode, you'll hear about how she has repeatedly created opportunities for her career path when there were potential dead ends, her experience leading sales initiatives for a new arena project, and what she has learned along the way. I've been thinking about this for a while, about putting this together. And I don't know what it was, but I was like, you know, going through Instagram and one of those like random quote, yeah. you know, those like quote memes. And it said, be brave enough to suck yeah. at something new. And so here, so here, here I am. I'm being brave enough to maybe just suck at something new that I have no right trying. But here I am. And here you are. And I just greatly Absolutely. appreciate you being here. I love this. If we <laughs> suck, we'll suck together. But I have a feeling that people are going to really enjoy this. So. <laughs> All right, so Lisa, when did you realize you wanted to work in sports? And, you know, what was that breaking moment for you? You know, I love this question. I I played sports growing up. I was a three-sport all-conference athlete. A total has-been, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, as many of us as we get older here. Um, but I never really had this burning desire to work in sports while sports had such a, a significant impact in my life. So, for me, like many others in college, I, I had to do a 480-hour unpaid internship. I don't know if Ooh. those are still legal these days. I don't know if I, you know. I don't think Yeah, so. yeah. Um, to graduate, right? And so I was lucky enough that one of my advisors at, at Springfield College had a connection at the entertainment venue in Connecticut, um, the Hartford Civic Center, or now known as the XL Center. And so I got into an internship in the marketing department. And the second I got in there, and and I'll talk about it a little later, it wasn't this amazing internship experience, but just the atmosphere and the rush, I, I just felt alive working in sports. And so for me, that was the moment in which I realized that I had to figure out a way to launch my career here and, and find a way to do this for the rest of my life. Wow, oh, that's fantastic. I always tell people there's just something about the energy of being in an arena or a stadium that just draws you in in a way that's like inspiring. I love. Uh, we always talk about it. I love that. Yeah, you can't even explain it. You can't explain the feeling. You can't. It's emo- it's an emotional thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. You were with AEG. You were a coordinator, yeah. right? In two thousand eight. Is that right? Oh. Talked about that experience of being a coordinator and then growing into that senior manager of group sales. Like, what was that path like for you in that process? And when did you determine that you wanted to get into leadership? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So um, so I was actually able to be really proactive. This coordinator role that I started in full-time didn't necessarily exist. And so when I was doing my internship there and fell in love with it, I was really proactive in getting them to create a role for me. And I think that's a really important part of my story um, all throughout as, as we go along here, a, a big theme. So essentially got a, got a role created for myself. Um, you know, rolled up my sleeves, did all the grunt work, but was just really proactive in learning everything I could, picking everybody's brains. And I already had my eye set on the prize, which at the time was um, leading the, the sales department there. And 
So I was able to get promoted a few different times. I went through the experience of being a seller and servicer myself. You know, those of us who work in professional sports now, it's very nice. You have a services team. Well, in minor league sports, <laughs> there, there is no services team. <laughs> You're everything. <laughs> everything. Um, you know, and so, but I credit a lot of where I got to in my career so far um, because of that, right? Like I was wearing so many hats. I was learning marketing and operations and sales and service. And at the time I thought it was insane and I was going to die. Um, but later I realized that a lot of my counterparts to this day went through a, a standard path of inside sales and with these pro sports teams, but they don't necessarily have the knowledge um, that on some of these other departments or just what wearing many of those hats looked and, and felt like. So, you know, for me, I, I worked my way up quickly and back to the original question of, you know, if when I knew I wanted to be a leader, I think for me, I think I was a born leader, you know, um, free sport mm -hmm. captain. I've always been a leader in my sports growing up. I've always gravitated towards being a leader of my friend groups. So for me, it was only natural that as I progressed in the professional world that I would end up being a leader in that space as well. And, you know, I, I think people can read books and, and learn how to become great leaders. But I also think sometimes it's just fundamentally how you're wired and yeah. always cared about people and the growth of people. Um, and you really have to want to unconditionally support them, even if it's midnight or even if they've been <laughs> that week and you want to kill them. Um, <laughs> you really have to. And I don't I don't think everybody necessarily has that in them, but I think yeah. that that is OK, <laughs> you know. Right. Society teaches us that, oh, well, you know, get in, get into a career and, and go up the chain, go up the ladder. That's not what's going to fulfill everybody. And that's not necessarily what's a good match for everybody. So I would think long and hard in any profession you're in on whether you really feel like you have the traits, you have the desire to really want to be a leader. You, you, you created a role for yourself or you had them create the role. Can you explain that a little more? and what that process was. So you identified what you wanted, the role wasn't available to you and you went to someone to discuss it, to, to create it, like, yeah. to make up the role or to make it work for you. I'm just curious about that process. At the time, there was there was no role for me, but I'll always say and stand by this, if somebody yeah. is really amazing and fantastic at their role, companies will do anything they can to create something to, to retain them and maintain them as an employee. So. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, gosh, I was 21, I think. At the <laughs> and I was, I was still in college. Um, and, you know, it's, gosh, it's hard to remember back. I feel like it was like, you know, 50 years ago at this point. But I mean, I essentially was pretty bullish and I had the confidence. I walked into a couple of the VP's offices at the time. And I remember having a, a long conversation with HR. just said, you know, hey, I've been working here for, I think it was eight years at the time. And there's a real here, and here's some areas of opportunity. Here's what I've assessed, and here's my skill set. And you know, I really think you all need to be on and create this coordinator position for me. And here's why, right? And I thought, there's no way they're going to they're, they're like get. Rid of <laughs> but you went in there. You had some thought. I mean, you had you had the confidence to go in there and do it. So you must have felt 
it was a possibility, right? And I'll tell you what, there was, um, I, I stay in touch with this day, Carol, who was our, our VP of HR, and I felt comfortable talking to her. So she helped me kind of put together what some of this may look like. So champion there made me feel more comfortable. And I thought, well, what do I have to lose? Um, but I think what I showed them is that I had the fundamentals to highlight areas of opportunity um, and the confidence to go in and say, you know, you should, you should hire me here. And so, so what do you wish that you had known when you had started out? Like, what do you wish you would have known, like, as you got into your first, you know, job, let's say? Yeah, you know, I, I didn't honestly have a ton of mentors, um, especially when I was getting started. And I always say, like, what would now Lisa tell younger Lisa then? <laughs> I'm giving myself some advice. And I really mm-hmm. think it would be don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, I was the type that, you know, I, I happened to be good at sports and I did okay in school. And I, I just never really needed to ask for help before, but I thought that would be a sign of weakness. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of times either being wired as a female or, um, you know, just who we are, I just didn't want to ask anyone for help. And I realized years later, oh my gosh, like if I had just asked somebody for some of these things, you know, yeah. there's reports that I was doing that were taking me two full days that I found out later someone from our analytics team could do in 20 minutes. <laughs> and while first my response was excitement that I figured that out, it was quickly followed by just being mortified that it took me so long to get there because I was just so afraid to ask for help. So I, I think that's one big thing, you know, use your resources, don't be afraid to ask for help. If anything, good leaders will see that as a sign of, you know, confidence and um, really a positive that you have the confidence to ask. Now in 2013, the XL Center in Connecticut and AEG did not renew their relationship. So Lisa had to find a new job because hers was soon to expire. So here I was about 26 years old, um, overseeing the the department in Connecticut, a, a small group, four guys. Um, and basically overnight AEG, our managing, um, company lost the bid on the building. And, um, we all had to figure out what we were going to do. We all had to go get new jobs while I was terrified at the time. It was literally the best thing that could have ever possibly happened to me because, I think I would have underlived my potential um, staying in Connecticut. I was always that person who would advocate against any family and friends of moving. Why would you want to move? You have your family. Everything's all good. But you just don't know what else is out there until you go take some of these risks. So here I am freaking out. And I went on teamwork online, uh, you know, big in the sports world. And I saw this job for the senior manager of group ticket sales of the Sacramento Kings. And so I literally applied, interviewed, was hired and accepted in 24 hours. I can't even make that up. I for sure hold some record. Um, it was just love at first sight. We both, I mean, it just, it just worked. And I'm so glad that um, Phil Horn at the time was hiring me, gave me such a short time frame to make the decision because I swear I would have found a way to talk myself out of it. Um, you know what I mean? So, but for me, I looked at a couple things. One, they were they had a really good reputation as, as you can attest to for being Mm -hmm. a really good leadership team, being really progressive in that space. Um, two, 
they were opening a new building. And so since then, you know, that's an experience that I've gotten to do, which may be once in a lifetime, um, but certainly was amazing, although we wanted to kill each other at times. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, lastly, like California is a great place to live. So I, I just looked at those three things and said, how can I possibly not go do this? Right. And I got out here. And I realized very quickly that how my resume read on paper and the experience I had in Connecticut didn't necessarily make me 100% qualified for the role that I stepped <laughs> into, right? Um, and I think that's an important lesson, too, because yeah. the first few months, I mean, I just felt I was so over my head and I thought, oh, my God, the world's going to end. But I was so determined, like it didn't matter. I was going to figure it out and I was going to be great at it. And I had a lot of really important special people to me support me along the way and coach me um, and get me to exactly where I needed to be um, and flourish from there. But I always keep that in mind anytime I have someone either on my team or on other teams or in other organizations who just got maybe promoted or starting a new role. Um, you <laughs> you never will know everything stepping into right. these things, right? And, and you right. know, and you've been through it. Um, but it's okay to feel that way, embrace that feeling and just know you'll be stronger coming out on the other side. No, absolutely. It's funny. You talk about your move and how quickly it was because myself and, uh, Sarah Daniel were, we were in Sacramento. That's right. Uh, we were in Sacramento working when I was with Timbo with NBA. And I remember it was, you know, they're very quickly hiring, you know, new leaders and inside sales reps and, they're like, oh, we have a, I remember Phil, I think it was Steven, um, Steven and, and Phil at the time were like, we have, we have a call with this girl, you know, uh, we'll talk to her and then we'll let you know how it goes. And we're like, okay, that, that sounds good. And he's like, yeah, we're going to hire. We're like, whoa, 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 wait, <laughs> you're not going to, not going to the other, and they were so confident. And I was like, so I think Sarah and I jumped on a call with you and we yeah. just got to know you're like, yeah, she's pretty solid. <laughs> and you know what I love? I remember jumping on that call with you too. And I remember thinking like prior to that, I didn't have much exposure to the women in the side of the industry. And I remember thinking, wow, they're awesome. And I'll never forget, I haven't told you this story yet either. So here we go, live on uh -oh, the podcast. Uh -oh. But I'll never forget going to the first NBA league meetings for me. I think it was in Miami that year. And I was mortified. I was one of the youngest, one of very few women, right? And right. you were working for Teambo at the time. And you got up and gave a killer presentation on something. And I just remember then thinking, you were such a badass and like, <laughs> I wanted to be you. And so for me, this is a cool moment. As Lisa shared, one of the opportunities that inspired her to quickly say yes to Phil's offer to join the team in 2013 was a new arena project. The Golden One Center opened in September of 2016 and actually received top honors as Sports Business Journal's Sports Facility of the Year. Selling a new building is unlike anything you'll ever experience. You know, I highly recommend it if anyone gets the chance to do it, not just because it's a resume builder, but you really grow as a person and, and as a company. I mean, think about basically having two arenas, right? You have to keep the business going at the old arena. And then there's so many things that go into getting the brand new shiny building up off the ground. And you know, I think we might have had one or two people on our staff who had been through something similar before. But generally speaking, as a group, we were all going through this for the first time. And it's one of those things you just you don't know what you don't know. And it was just such a cool culture moment. Everybody came together. 
um, selling that story and that future vision, especially because I think we're maybe the longest standing team without a postseason game uh, at this point across all big four sports leagues. You might want to fact check that, but <laughs> you know, but it was so cool because it didn't matter. You know, the city yeah. was so excited that the team was staying and not moving to Seattle and it, we just felt alive and to be able to be one of the people and, and have a staff that was part of that and at the epicenter of all this excitement is unlike anything really now and that's not to say it didn't come with its challenges too i'll remember you know phil horn at the time was running point for our our sales team and our favorite hashtag or or saying became enjoy the journey you know like we we'd come to him with just oh my god this is a mess like so and so's death just <laughs> broke because we're basically a startup working out of you just look at us and say, enjoy the journey. Um, so people's <laughs> true character definitely comes out at times like that too, I, I will say. So if you ever find yourself in a stressful situation or one that's just unknown to you, just remember, just keep your character intact because you'll get through it on the other side. And how are people going to say you handled it? You know what I mean? Right. And and, and really the experience is, is the journey, not the results. Yeah. And I think we often forget that one when, when you're going through it, but um, it's it's nice that you had a leader that always reminded you that the journey is where the fun was, whether it was challenging or not. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. And so for me, so um, I and speaking of Phil, you know, it's funny. People always ask me who my female mentor is, and with all due respect, I hate that question. Like, why does my <laughs> it's terrible? Why does it be a female? You know. <laughs> um, and so I always answer Phil Horn, and it's you know he pushed me and challenged me and grew me just like anybody else would. Um, you know, still stay in touch with him to this day. But so he he helped me. So I started as the senior manager of, of group sales. Um, then they rolled in the arena piece of the business underneath me, which was really exciting to not only have my hands on the sports side, um, but I would recommend to as many people as, as, as I can get your foot into the entertainment and the arena piece of the business too. Um, and then I transitioned into a role where I was doing groups and inside sales. Um you know, I, I think it was a fun experience, but I don't know if it's something, honestly, I'd want to do again. It was very, very challenging. <laughs> um, I remember doing 100 interview calls in a week, you know, just something, just craziness. After five years of growth there in Sacramento, um, Lisa was ready. She was ready for that next step in becoming a vice president. But unfortunately, that position was not available um, there at the Kings at the time. So she went back to what she had done before in Connecticut, and she decided she was going to create her own role. Courtney, who is one of my my female peers here and one of my best friends, we we had a bottle of wine and started <laughs> thinking about, well, okay, you want to grow and I want to grow, and and here's what a traditional path would look like. But what if we thought outside the box a little bit? So I kid you not, we had a couple glasses of wine. And we basically concocted what is now my role. So I oversee. Here you are. Here you are creating another role for yourself. Yeah, like, right? <laughs> and I hope to just keep it rolling. You know, I mean, you can't just sit there and assume, even if the higher ups or whoever it is does want to retain you and they do want to take care of you, sometimes they just don't have all the answers. So why not come up with the yeah. solution yourself? You know what I mean? Okay. So, um, I went to them. So I now oversee the strategy for Kings and Golden One Center group sales, as well as the strategy for the arena's almost 100 premium units, 
suites, lofts, balcony boxes. Um, and then I'm also overseeing a team that focuses on renting the premium spaces for private and corporate events, which was my baby. I, I started about a year and a half ago. Um, so all in all, I have six direct reports, all of which are men, which I, which I love, um, <laughs> and probably about 40 direct, um, you know, indirect reports. And I just love it. We're a family. We have an amazing culture, but this is a role that, that no one else that I know of in the industry has. And because of the trust and the credibility I built with not only Phil, but the organization, when I put in front of them a plan that most would have thought was crazy, they looked at it and said, great, is this going to keep you here? And does this make sense? Cool. Let's do it. You know what I mean? No, that's that. I mean, that's all you can ask, right? right? Is that you're, you're with a team that truly that values you um, and what you bring to the team from specifically probably your leadership, right? And your energy and your positivity. Um, And how do you continue just to create these opportunities of growth at the same time? Because your personal goals can't be missed at the same time that you have these team goals. Um, So no, that that's great. And you can just sense like, as you're talking about just like you're, you're so energetic. I can just feel, I do. I truly do. I can just feel like how happy I can. I bet you're smiling. I am. Like, it's like a smile. Yeah, I've the smile. arms style. waving, you know, and I'm not even Italian. I'm mostly Irish, but I swear I'm like. I know. I, I completely talk with my hands too. It's so funny. Um, so what for you has been the most rewarding aspect of what you do now? Yeah, I, you say? I think I would break that down to internally and externally. So internally, okay. really just getting to play a role in the growth of people. You know, that's that's the biggest thing for me. Um, but also working for an organization where they'll, they give me the platform. I started a career advancement program about four years ago, which started just on our revenue generation side of the business. And as of this last year, HR um, rolled out to the entire company. So that was a proud moment for me. But again, just took took the initiative, just go do it. You want to do something? Go do it. Um, also starting the women's sports network. And then most recently, um, we just did our equality night and I got seven openly gay members of the staff to come together for a video. Um, so to me, it's, that's the rewarding stuff, right? The intangibles, um, just how am I having an impact on, on the staff and the culture of the company? And then externally, really just getting to create those relationships with the folks in the community to provide these once in a lifetime experiences. You know, I, I will never forget some of these moments I've had watching a dad and their daughter at a game. And I I don't know them. I I don't know their story, but I could almost imagine that this is one of the few times that they get together and have that type of experience together. Um, You know, just watching kids and, and adults alike high five the players and just seeing firsthand how much using sports can be an agent of change. It can build these memories and it can help people really escape sometimes what can be a cruel world to come together and, and root for a common cause. Ah, yeah. I, I mean, and you're, you're basically saying it now. I was going to ask you and I feel like you're answering it, but you know, we define success in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, in revenue, uh, myself and yourself coming from, you know, the revenue path and what we do, we, you know, the numbers are always important in our business, but clearly, you know, success is in not only the journey as Phil explained, you know, when he talks to you about those things, but it's these things that you take away of the emotion of what kind of like pulls at your heartstrings of why you wake up every day and do what you do with purpose. Um, Would you agree? Absolutely. Any good leader 
candidly isn't going to give a darn about the numbers. Seriously, like if you're a good leader, yeah. you should be hitting your numbers, you know, in your sleep anyways. But it's it's those other little things, right? The impact that you have on people, not only professionally, but personally, right? Like when you're in these roles, how can you get get your staff to hit the goals that they want to achieve personally too? And, you know, yeah. to me, I and I guess it is a, a number at the end of the day, but it's not how many goals have I hit, but it's where are the people now that I've had the pleasure to indirectly or directly impact or manage, right? And so I was doing a little loose math. I think over my seven years in the Kings, um, I've, I've been part of at least 40 plus promotions, many of which have been into leadership roles, whether they're with the Kings or outside of the Kings. And I think that's also really important too. Like my loyalty lies yeah. with my people, you know, um, as much as I want to yeah. keep everybody, if there's a killer role, that's a great next step for you somewhere else. You bet you're bleep me out here. I'm going to be the first person <laughs> to advocate for you to go take that and help you get that role. You know what I mean? Throughout your path, you've, you've had such successful opportunities. Is there anything you feel like you failed at or that you've like taken as a lesson learned throughout your, your path of your career? Yeah. You know what? Life? That's a, that's a great question. I mean, look, I for sure had my fair share, share of failures. I love to try new things. And with that, a lot of times will come yeah. failure. And I love working for an organization that'll just let me pick myself up and try something else next time. Um, but, but to me, and this is actually uh, a good segue into one of the things we might talk about later, but I have certainly failed at my work-life balance at times. And to me, yeah. it's, it's tough what it's done to me. But it's also really sad for me to think about the message that I've sent to my staff, right? I mean, these are people who look up to me and take lead from me. And so as a leader, realizing that if you struggle with work-life work balance, not only how it's impacting you and your family and your own relationships, but what message and what are you encouraging in your culture for the rest of your group? And this is something I struggle with still to this day, um, but I feel like I'm being intentional about it. And I'm, I'm yeah. trying to get better at it. But when people ask me what my hobbies are, I half jokingly <laughs> say to them, like, is it okay if I answer my career? And you know what I mean? <laughs> call it pathetic or the best so, thing ever. If you love what you do, sometimes you want to just keep doing it, but that, you, you've right. got to set boundaries, you know, and I'm sure you've dealt with that too. But I think that's probably been my biggest failure for myself and for my team so far. Yeah, I, I, I hear you because I, you know, obviously I get this question a lot too about the work-life balance piece um, in, no, I, I agree. If you love what you do, I mean, this is a lifestyle that I've chosen, that you've chosen. And if I, if I felt imbalanced in some way, then I would make an adjustment, but I, mm -hmm. I need it. You know what I mean? So I do more of it. <laughs> so I don't know. I think it's, I think you're, I think you're right in the sense of um, the, the example we're lead, you know, we're leading with, and hopefully, I'm hoping that the people who work with me, the takeaway is that gosh, she she's doing mm -hmm. it because she loves it, and, and then they reflect and go, do I love it enough to spend that much time on it, to work that late, to miss my kids this thing, or not not you know not do something where you're choosing the work over something else? Like you have, I think I think hopefully in my example is I'm 
helping people reflect like do you love it that much yeah i like that that's that's an interesting perspective yeah there's something you think people should know about you that you might not that might not know about you when they first meet you are gonna work you you. know what's funny i i think the first thing that comes to mind is that i'm not i'm an introverted extrovert right like you hear me and i'm like i'm super outgoing i have crazy high energy and believe it or not i don't even drink coffee um like this is just natural (laughs) but i think what when the people who really get to know me, one of the things that fascinates them is that I need my downtime to recharge just like anyone else. Right. And so while I put off this facade for lack of a better term, you know, externally, I, I need my downtime and I need to recharge just like anybody else. And I think that can be kind of off putting for the people who have only met me once or twice. And I'm on this energetic social kick. Um, but that's just balance, like you said. Yeah, no, no, I, I completely, I'm, I'm probably the same. You know, I think when, when I work with people, I come in with a lot of energy and then I think when I'm, you know, not on, not, not on, let's say, um, yeah, I don't know if it's a recharge, but it's like, I don't need to be that person in other scenarios. You know, you might not need me to be at this level. Like, I think if my husband saw me at work, I was thinking that like, (laughs) Who the hell is this person? Right? <laughs> Speaking specifically about women, you know, and this podcast being really um, a, a focus for women, and I hope both men and women professionals, you know, listen in and they find these conversations helpful. Um, but what advice would you have for women um, looking to grow their career? And, you know, especially if they're currently on that ticket mm-hmm. sales and service track uh, that we see a lot of women starting to like take but maybe not pursuing beyond maybe yeah. the first levels. Yeah. But, and I um, love that you mentioned the the men and women to this and, and you and I talked yeah. about this, like being inclusive yeah. here and, and including men in this conversation is just so important, you know? So for anyone listening to this, um, you know, there are allies and they're an amazing part of this conversation. So I love that. I love that you mentioned that as it, as it is specific to women, I would just say there's no better time to be a woman. You know what I mean? Um, it is yeah. 2020 and and companies are excited about diversity. And so either join an organization or double down on an organization that you're already with that is supportive of the growth and, and growth of diversity and, and women as a whole. And then just be proactive. You know, if you haven't gotten that message from my story so far, you can't just sit there and expect somebody to create the path for you. You have to be proactive in creating your own path. And some of that comes from utilizing your resources within the industry. Um, you know, make sure that you have as many mentors as you possibly can or, or champions. And I always say the first thought with mentors is to look above you. I think I've learned more from peer to peer mentorship um, than I have sometimes from having a mentor who's in a, in a quote unquote higher role. So make sure that you're developing those relationships with your peers and you're really creating a circle of trust where they're giving you feedback and fundamental things that you need to work on. Because a lot of times people want to hear that from their, their friend and peer and will receive it better than if they hear it from their boss, you know? So think about that and think about how you can play that role for other people. And lastly, and and this is a big thing, and and hopefully this doesn't sound harsh, but I just say, like, enough with the excuses. You know what I mean? I can't tell you how many women at times have come into my office and they've said, oh, that meeting we were just in, you know, because I'm a woman, 
it sounds like I'm throwing a temper tantrum. And I stopped them and I say, I was in that meeting. It sounded like you were throwing a temper tantrum. Like, I'm not the one that you're going to come to and I'm going to tell you things that are just going to make you feel better in that moment. I'm going to tell you, you know, what you need to hear as an individual. Stop making excuses. I'm not, I'm not naive to the mm-hmm. fact that there are circumstances when, where women are, you know, put into, into buckets or where they do face adversity. But you can do it. Just be resilient push through it and and create a community who will help you do that. And that's a wrap of my first episode. Thank you for listening to Women Blazers and thank you to Lisa for sharing her journey and insights with all of us today. Before we go, I encourage you to share this podcast with anyone you believe would enjoy the conversation. I also encourage you to follow the podcast on Instagram at Women Blazers to stay connected and you can send me topics and questions you would love to hear asked to future guests. New episodes will be published on a bi-weekly basis. So look forward to episode two dropping Monday, April 13th, featuring Jamie Morningstar, the Senior Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Milwaukee Bucks. Until next time, please be safe out there.